So good morning. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas and we'll have a Happy New Year. Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk uh, about Colossians 1, uh, 15 through 23. The goal is just to kind of rehearse and remind ourselves of some old truths in light of the new year that's coming. Uh, but before we get to the passage, kids, where are you guys at this morning? Raise up your hands. All right, today I get to talk about two of my favorite things. Those favorite things, the first one is Jesus. I really like talking about him, and he's much more my favorite than the second thing. But the second thing is tacos. Who likes tacos? All right, now, those people that like tacos, who likes Taco Bell? Yeah, yeah? All right. Can anybody tell me the difference between a taco and a taco supreme at Taco Bell? What do you got, Zaley? A taco supreme just has like, more stuff in it, like, like well, a regular taco, it's just meat and cheese. So a regular taco is just meat and cheese. A taco supreme has sour cream and tomatoes, yeah. right? Uh, like a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. So I'm just like... Some, some bonus things. Does anybody know the exact difference? Hmm? What do you got, Ramona? It costs more money. That's right. Lucy? That's right. You can get tacos at Taco Bell. It's a restaurant. That's right. Okay. So, what does the word supreme mean? Does anybody know? Above all other things. So, here's the question. Is is the taco supreme at Taco Bell the best taco there is ever? It's, It's pretty good. Yeah. It really depends. I would say that the Taco Supreme and Taco Bell is not the best taco there is. There are lots of much better tacos out there. Uh, and the reason why that matters is because today we're talking about how Jesus is supreme. And so is Jesus just like all the other saviors out there except he has sour cream and tomatoes? No, he's like actually above all other things, right? Jesus is supreme in a way that the Taco Supreme and Taco Bell is not supreme. And so as we go through the passage today, we're going to learn about what it means that Jesus is supreme over all other things. We're also going to use the word preeminent, which means the same thing. And so kids, I would encourage you to go home and talk to your parents about how Jesus is supreme, and maybe also talk to them about how you should have tacos for lunch this week sometime. So open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 3 through 23. We're just going to be focused on verses 15 through 23 this morning, but I want to read kind of the whole passage so we get the context of what's going on there. Again, that's Colossians 1, 15 through We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have had for all the saints. 
Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to, you, made known to us your love in the Spirit." And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together." And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above him, uh, holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Let's pray together this morning. Father, we thank you that you sent your Holy Spirit to inspire the Apostle Paul to write down these words, to to send this letter to the saints at Colossae, and that you have preserved your word down through the years so that this morning we can read Paul's words and benefit from them, that you can instruct us through them. God, we pray that you would send your Spirit to, to help us together to see our Savior, in this text. That you would increase our understanding of who Jesus is. That you would increase our affections for him and for what he has done for us. Uh, That we would be reminded of the gospel that we have heard. That we have put our hope and our trust and our faith in. um, And that you would use that to, uh, to help us to approach this new year in a way that is worthy of the calling that you have placed upon us as your people. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So again, our passage this morning is verses 15 through 23, but I wanted to read the whole thing to kind of give us a picture of what is taking place here. Uh, Because what's happening is Paul is just kind of praying. He's praying for the Colossians. He talks about giving thanks, and then he just kind of like can't help himself, and he bursts outward into worship of Jesus for who he is and what he's done. And so he describes him and gives us some of the best 
Christology, that's theology about Jesus in all the New Testament in this passage, simply because he was giving thanks and couldn't keep it inside. It comes out, it comes out onto the page, and now we can benefit from it many years later. And so there's really two chunks to our passage this morning. Verses 15 through 20 tell us about who Jesus is and what he's done, kind of on a, on a cosmic level. And then verses 21 through 23 focus on what he's done for us as his people. And so in 15 through 20, we get this, this kind of poem about Jesus. It doesn't really seem like it to us in English, but these five verses are one kind of poem that flows together that talk about who Jesus is and what he's done. And what we're going to do is we're just going to walk through these uh, kind of phrase by phrase. The first part here, verses 15 through 17, emphasize Jesus as being supreme over all creation. He is the one who's the ruler over all creation. It says that he is the image of of the invisible God. He, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. I don't know about you, but when I've heard this passage taught on most often, what, what, I, what, I, what I usually hear is that, uh, you know, nobody, when they talk about how Jesus, when he, in the Gospels, he says that nobody's ever seen the Father, but Jesus as the Son reveals the Father, and whoever has seen Jesus has seen the Father. And then uh, we, we talk about how uh, if you've uh, like all the appearances of God throughout Scripture are just really appearances of Jesus because he is the image of the invisible God. And I, I think that that is, that is true, that's accurate, but I don't think that that's what Paul is talking about here because remember, these verses are emphasizing that Jesus is supreme over all creation. And so if you think about what Paul or his readers or even us would think about when we think about Jesus being the image of God in the context of creation, we would think about when God made Adam and Eve in his image, in his likeness. He created people in the image of God. And so I think that that's kind of what the focus is on this phrase. But Paul here, he doesn't just say that Jesus is made in the image of God. He says that he is the image of the invisible God. And so Paul kind of takes, up, takes that idea and ratchets it up a bit. He talks about Jesus being the image of the invisible God. I think what he's doing here is Paul is taking Jesus' perfect humanity and he's taking his perfect divinity and he's smashing them together in this phrase. Jesus is the image of God. He is the perfect man who exercises complete dominion over creation like Adam and Eve were supposed to. He is the perfect human being, but he's also the image of the invisible God. He represents God. He images God in ways that we don't because he knows and sees and understands God in ways that we just don't. And that's how he represents him, how he reveals him to us in the gospel and in the pages of scripture. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Next, Paul says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He's the firstborn of all creation. First, I want to talk about what this does not mean. It does not mean that, that Jesus was born. Jesus was created, and he was just created before everybody else. That's not what it means. Instead, in the ancient world, the firstborn was the person in family, the, the person in the family that came first in time and also had kind of the highest status. And so in the ancient world, the firstborn son especially is the one who was born before all the other kids, and they also had a higher status, a higher standing than all the other people in the family. Um, and so if you're a kid that's older than everybody else in your family, you can go home today and kind of lord that over them. Here, the focus is on Jesus being the kind of supreme, the preeminent one over all creation. It doesn't mean that he was created. It means that he existed before everything else, and he is higher in standing than anything else. Um, Paul says that 
uh, for by him, he's explaining how Jesus is this kind of preeminent one over all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. So Jesus created all things, whether we can see them or not see them, whether they're on earth or in heaven, everything was made by him. It says, uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, what Paul is doing here is he's trying to uh, give us an exhaustive phrase that covers any possible place of power. He talks about thrones. Throne is the literal seat of power. And so that would be like the office. And so in the United States, we have a president. That is the, the throne. That is the place of power. Dominion is the, is the realm of power, where those in power wield their power. So for us, it's the United States. Rulers are the actual people that hold the power. So right now in our country, the person that's president is Donald Trump. Uh, authority is the power that they wield, all the power that's at their disposal because of the position that they have. And so Paul is listing all of these things, and he says that Jesus is over all of them. He, is, he has made those places of power. He's created them. He's given them to those people. And then he says that all things were created through him and for him. Everything was made by Jesus. Everything was made for Jesus. Everything was made for him. That means that every single thing that exists in the entire universe exists for Jesus. The tree in your backyard exists for Jesus. Right? The, the grass in your front yard, it exists for Jesus. Your kids exist for Jesus. You exist for Jesus. Your pet fish exists for Jesus. Everything in creation, whether it's in heaven or on earth, whether it's visible or it's invisible, all of it exists for him. It does not belong to us. It is not ours. It does not exist for us. It belongs to him and exists for him. But it's the last part of verse 17 that kind of explodes this phrase. It says that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So not only was everything made by him and for him, but he is also the one who's holding it all together. He is the one who sustains all creation. So right now, Jesus is holding the planets on their orbit. He causes the sun to rise. He causes the rain to fall. He keeps the earth from crumbling apart beneath our feet. Jesus is the one who has made all things. All things were made for him, and he is the one who's holding it all together. In him, all things hold together. Now we're going to transition. He's, Paul's talked about, he's emphasized that Jesus is, is supreme over all creation. Now he's going to talk about how he's supreme over the new creation. He says that he is the head of the body, the church. So he's the head over the church. This is one of the reasons why we at BC have a, a plurality of elders. We have multiple pastors because we don't want to ever give the impression that there's one person in charge of this church. Because the reality is, is that we're not in charge. We are middle management. We are caretakers. Jesus is the one who is the head of the church. Jesus is the chief shepherd, and anybody who is a pastor or an elder or a shepherd is an under-shepherd. We are middle management. Next, Paul says that Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So just like Jesus was the firstborn of the old creation, he's the firstborn of the new creation. Um, and Paul explains why this is the case in the next two verses. It says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So first Paul here gives us a little more Christology, a little more information about Jesus. He says that in him, in Jesus, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This means, that's us, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Those are the words of your God to you. He has done these things for you. And all of us, even though we were alienated, even though we were separated from God, even though we were hostile in our minds, even though we didn't have a single good thought for him, towards him, to him, he did this for us. He sent Jesus into the world to reconcile us, to bring us back into relationship with him, to make peace by his cross. He's talking about what he's done for us, but it's still all about Jesus and what he is doing. And then he says that he's reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death in order to do something. There's a purpose for what he's done. There's a purpose for this reconciliation. He's reconciled us not just to leave us alone, but to reconcile us for something. And the thing that he's reconciled us for is that we would be holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And I don't want us to misunderstand these words here. I don't want us to think, well, Jesus reconciled us so that we would be holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So now what we need to do is we need to work our butts off and and pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and and just do it all and, and grit our teeth so that we can be holy and that we can be blameless and we can be above reproach. Paul still is talking about stuff that Jesus does, not stuff that we do. He is the one that reconciled us and he is the one that will present us holy and blameless and above reproach. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't take any effort from us or work from us or willpower from us. Certainly, we participate in that work. Paul in Ephesians says that we walk in the good works that he has prepared beforehand for us. But it's important for us to see here that Jesus is the one that's going to present us as holy and blameless and above reproach. It's his work, not ours. But there's a role for us. Look at the word if at the first part of verse 23. So Jesus has reconciled us and he will present us holy, blameless, and above reproach if, 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 if we do something. What is the something that we have to do? If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. So Paul here talks all about who Jesus is. He talks about he is the one who's supreme over all things. He's supreme over the old creation. He's supreme over the new creation. He reigns over everything. He has all the power. All things were created for him. All things were created by him. In him, all things hold together. He's reconciled all things to the Father. He's reconciled us to the Father. He will present us holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And then he says, and this is what you do. This is our role. This is what we're supposed to do. What we're supposed to do is have faith, and have hope. Which those are actions that we take, but they are actions that are based on Jesus, right? Because he is the object of our faith. And Paul tells us what is the object of our hope. The object of our hope is the gospel. It's the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. So Paul says that Jesus has reconciled us and Jesus will inevitably, without fail, he will present us holy and blameless and above reproach if we keep trusting in Jesus 
And if we keep putting our hope not in ourselves, not in other things, not in false idols, but in the truths of the gospel, in the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. This passage reminds us of the reality of the gospel, that Jesus has done everything for us. And our responsibility is to respond to his actions in faith and with hope. And so this year, this week, as we, as we move from 2020 into 2021, a new year is coming. But what we need is not new truths. We need old truths. We need to be reminded again of the gospel. Just like what we need every other year, that's what we're going to need in 2021. Whether it is easier or harder than 2020 was. What we need is to cling to the faith that we have in Jesus and the hope of a gospel. That's what Paul reminds us of in this passage. He lifts up this Savior who is supreme, who reigns over all things, who is preeminent, who has created all things for himself, uh, who holds all things together, who is reconciled us, who makes us new, who will present us holy and blameless and above reproach if we keep trusting in him and don't uh, waver from the hope we have in the gospel. So this week, let's go out and be people that don't look for new things, but come back to the old truth of the gospel and cling to it with faith and hope. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who is preeminent, who reigns over all things that you are supreme over the old creation and you are supreme over the new creation, that you have made all things, that everything exists for you, that everything exists because of you, because you hold it together right now. You hold us together right now. We thank you that you came, that you took on flesh, you became a baby to live a life in our place as our perfect sacrifice and perfect substitute so that you could reconcile not just us, but all things to your Father. And we praise you that you will present us holy and blameless and above reproach, not because of who we are or our effort or our ability but because of our faith in you and because of our hope in your gospel. So we pray that you would send your spirit this morning to encourage us and convict us and empower us and stir our affections for you and for your gospel so that we would be people that remain steadfast in our faith and steadfast in our hope, not wavering from the truth of the gospel that you reveal to us through your word. We pray that you would send your spirit to be with us as we continue in worship this morning. May we respond rightly to the reminder of who you are and what you've done for us this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.